0: Welcome to Global Foundries Fab 8 here in Malta, New York.
1: And what is it that you guys are making here?
0: Roughly, we put out about a million chips a day.
1: Global Foundries isn't the microchip company with the most hype right now. It's not making chips at the bleeding edge or tripling its stock value this year, like Nvidia's done as its chips change what's possible with generative AI. But behind the scenes, Global Foundries is essential, quietly helping power nearly every connected device.
2: Look around, look at every electronic device in your house, and I would bet you money that everyone of those devices has at least one Global GlobalFoundries chip in it.
3: This is one of the misnomers that Global Foundries suffers from, is that they're not baking the 5 and 3 nanometer chips. They're not making the ARM-based A17 Bionics from Apple, so they're not important. That's just patently false. It can be a 12-cent part inside of your iPhone that enables it to work and not work.
1: In its short 14 year history, Global Foundries has risen to the world's third largest chip foundry, manufacturing chips for other companies who design them. Its chips are inside everything from smartphones to cars, smart speakers to Bluetooth enabled dishwashers. And yes, the servers running generative AI.
0: You'll find power management integrated circuits. You'll find wireless connectivity chips. So it's an indirect AI play as opposed to a direct AI play.
1: Five years ago, the company made a bold move away from leading edge chips, exiting a race squarely won by Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. But now, as tensions with China cause concern over the world's reliance on TSMC and the U.S. and China play technological tug of war with export controls, Global Foundries finds itself positioned well outside the geopolitical crosshairs.
3: In a period of time where there's a lot of nationalistic interest, I think that could serve Global Foundries really well.
1: Now, GF is spending billions to expand production in Singapore, Germany, France and upstate New York, where CNBC went for a first-hand look at what essential chip making looks like on U.S. soil and asked how it plans to stay ahead while focusing on the older chips still essential for everyday devices. It all began in 2009 when Advanced Micro Devices decided to break off its manufacturing operations into a separate company and focus entirely on designing chips. Global foundries took over AMD's chip fabrication plant, or fab, in Dresden, Germany. At the time, it was a joint venture between AMD and the government of Abu Dhabi's tech investment arm.
3: The company was run by a sovereign wealth fund in the Middle East, which often brought certain questions and scrutiny.
1: But it's no surprise financial backing was needed for the immensely expensive business of making chips. The cost was also why AMD shifted entirely to design. Now a tech analyst, Patrick Moorhead, was working at AMD at the time.
0: Our founder, Jerry Sanders at AMD, said real men have fabs. So the thought of spinning out the fab uh, from AMD into its own company uh, was a was a really big deal. But AMD had to do it. The expenses for a leading edge fab were doubling every two or three years. And right now we're looking at investments of campuses upwards of $100 billion.
1: For the first few years, AMD was Global Foundry's primary customer. And now AMD's grown to become NVIDIA's main rival for designing graphics processing units.
0: I think it worked out for, for everybody.
1: One of GF's first endeavors was to start building its brand new fab and headquarters in Malta, New York in 2009. The next year, it expanded into Singapore with the purchase of chartered semiconductor. By 2015, it had acquired IBM's in-house semiconductor division, taking over its two production sites.
2: By the time we hit 2018, Global Foundries was a $6 billion business. Unfortunately, it had a strategy that was not able to produce profitability or free cash flow. It was chasing the dream of single digit nanometers.
1: Despite a major need for these leading edge chips from its main customer, AMD, Global Foundries decided to halt efforts to manufacture seven nanometer chips.
2: So in 2018, when I became the CEO of Global Foundries, we decided to make a strategic pivot to focus all our energy, all our R&D, all of our capital deployment to go be the very best at these essential chips. And that began a a journey to turning our company around to, to profitability.
1: To this day, GF only makes 12 nanometer and above, what it calls essential chips that are in all top-tier smartphones and mini cars on the road today.
2: This is a wafer. This is what we actually process in a factory. Uh, They're 12 inches or 300 millimeters in diameter. This is the largest format in the industry. If you do secure pay transactions, whether it's on your credit card or on your smart mobile device, we make the chip that does that. Do you like the photographs your camera takes? we make image sensor processors that drive that camera do you like the battery life on your on your phone we make the PIMICs the power management ICs that make sure that power is managed on these devices
3: we're still talking about more than 85 percent of chips that are being produced and while they tend to be lower cost chips they tend to be specialty parts ultimately we really need these chips and we found that out because we had parking lots full of pickup trucks that couldn't be shipped because they couldn't Put the ECU in the chip, or they couldn't—you know—couldn't install power seats. So, Global Founders had a really strong uh, market requirement.
1: During the chip shortage in 2021, GF told CNBC it sold out entirely. That same year, GF went public. Global foundries is positioned squarely in the middle of the world's top five foundries, Semiconductor Manufacturing International or SMIC in China, Samsung with fabs in South Korea and the U.S., and United Microelectronics and TSMC, both in Taiwan. And it's the only one based in the U.S.
2: Not only do we have a high concentration of semiconductor manufacturing in Taiwan between TSMC and UMC, TSMC is twice the size of the other four companies combined.
1: TSMC makes more than 90 percent of the world's most advanced microchips, creating a lot of vulnerability, not only during supply chain backlogs, but also because of China's continued threats to invade Taiwan. TSMC also makes older nodes like Global Foundries does. Do you have any aspirations to catch TSMC ever in your future?
2: In the markets we play in, not only do we have aspirations, we think in certain areas we've, we've, we've won in our RF technology, in our in our SOI technology, in fully depleted uh, SOI, we are market leaders in that.
0: I think that Global Foundries does have some technologies that that TSMC doesn't have. I think silicon on insulator is a huge differentiator when it comes to power, and TSMC doesn't use that.
1: To further differentiate itself at a time of geopolitical turmoil, Global Foundries is investing about $7 billion to add capacity in parts of the world with lower risk. It currently has two U.S. FABs in Essex Junction, Vermont and Malta, New York, and it's adding 800 acres to the Malta site, known as FAB 8, where we took a tour.
0: A lot of the equipment you're seeing in the clean room that we're standing in are actually the tip of the iceberg, as we call it. A lot of what you don't see resides in what we call the sub-FAB about 60 feet below.
2: Our biggest FAB is in Singapore and its next biggest is in Dresden. And someday this FAB will, will get to that scale as well.
1: In Singapore, GF just completed a $4 billion expansion that it says makes it the country's most advanced fab. And in June, GF finalized a deal with ST Microelectronics to build a jointly owned 300 millimeter chip fab in France. But not all global expansion endeavors have gone smoothly. In 2017, GF made big plans for a 300 millimeter wafer fab in Chengdu, China. Then in 2020, it backed out.
2: It turned out we had three relatively large facilities around the world already. That were severely underloaded. So adding more capacity at a time when we couldn't fill our existing capacity was just going to create a bigger economic hole for us.
3: I think Global Foundries probably burned a bridge to some extent with China when it decided to pull out. But given a series of circumstances, there was market compression, the company was bleeding cash at the time. It wasn't performing well. They were having trouble getting the labor and getting the support from the Chinese officials. I think ultimately there was enough opportunity that existed outside of China.
1: Now, the U.S. has enacted a series of export bans on chip companies sending advanced tech to China. By only producing older nodes, GF says it's in the clear. Are any of your products that you output at Global Foundries impacted by the export controls to China? Very minimally. Wei-Peng Ko started her career 23 years ago as an engineer at GF's Singapore Fab. Now she heads up all of Fab 8. There's been so much back and forth between U.S. and China and chips. Does that actually position Global Foundries well since you output from three continents? In my opinion, yes, right, simply because that we can make a product in more than one site. That, That is our competitive advantage. But staying out of leading edge hasn't meant entirely avoiding controversy. In 2019, Global Foundries and TSMC sued each other over patent infringement, although they settled just months later. And in April, Global Foundries sued IBM over alleged sharing of IP and trade secrets with a Japanese consortium helping IBM produce leading edge chips. Although the chips GF makes are considered legacy nodes, the process and resources needed are still incredibly complex.
2: A thousand steps or more in the factory, and it takes over 90 days for a product to begin in our factory and come out the other way
1: It starts with slicing a 200 or 300 millimeter wafer out of a silicon ingot, then putting it into what's known as a FOOP, Front Opening Unified Pod, to carry it safely through the clean room to all those 1,000 different steps.
0: We are running about 650 vehicles across 15 miles of track.
1: And they're going pretty fast.
0: They're traveling at about 8 miles an hour.
1: The enclosed robotic FOOPs and the bunny suits worn by workers and us keep the delicate silicon clean of any dust or skin particles. So a chip typically consists of billion of uh, miniscule devices. So they are very, very small and any, any dust or contamination is going to kill the device. Etching and layering is done by huge, highly precise machines from suppliers like Applied Materials.
0: This is actually the beginning clean to get it nice and pristine before the manufacturing process. You can envision any defect on this wafer once it begins processing would be stuck on that wafer forever.
1: It all takes a lot of cleaning, cooling and chemical treatment, which in turn requires a lot of water. GF says Fab 8 uses about four million gallons of water a day, reclaiming 65 percent of that.
2: And so upstate New York is a very good place for access to high quality and abundant water.
1: All that heavy machinery also requires a lot of power. About two gigawatts per day. It is uh, power that you know can just run a small city.
2: Our lowest cost power is in the U.S. A lot of our power in upstate New York, where this facility is at, comes from hydroelectric. So it's a, it's a greener power. In both Europe and Singapore, much of that power comes off of natural gas.
1: And then there's the manpower. Global Foundries has 13,000 employees worldwide. For our fab, uh, I have about 1,500 people reporting to me, but the whole site uh, is about 2,500 people. It's challenging to attract talent to this part of the world. Do we have a skilled labor gap here in the US that needs to be addressed?
2: I think in general we graduate enough engineers we just have to make sure those engineers want to take engineering jobs. We've stood up the first apprenticeship program that's registered in the United States to go create that workforce in our ecosystem around our two fabs in Vermont and and New York.
1: TSMC recently blamed a shortage of skilled labor for delays to its fab being built in Arizona. The high cost of materials and construction work also make building a fab in the U.S. more expensive than in much of Asia, which is why public subsidies have been key for reshoring production. GF says New York pitched in more than $2 billion for Fab 8, and it's also applied for funds from the $52 billion National Chips and Science Act, although more than 460 other companies have, too. But focusing on 12 nanometer and above also helps GF keep costs down.
0: The Equipment does cost less. They don't have to build $100 billion campuses over 10 years like Samsung, Intel and TSMC.
1: So is there any way to put a dollar figure on how much a wafer like this costs to put out?
2: Well, I won't give a dollar figure, but I will tell you the the factory right behind us at any given time, there's about a half a billion dollars worth of inventory that's running over those 90 days to create product.
1: At the end of that three-month process here in Malta, Global Foundries is putting out 400,000 wafers per year.
2: And what you can see on this wafer in X, Y coordinates, each one of those defines a chip that has a particular function. A wafer like this can produce, depending on the complexity of the design, tens of thousands of chips or in some cases, a couple hundred chips.
1: So who are GF's main customers for this massive output of essential chips?
2: Qualcomm, AMD, NXP, Infineon, to name a few.
1: In short, it's the world's largest fabless chip companies. It's supplying to the auto, aerospace and U.S. defense industries.
0: All of the RF goodies, uh, all of the power management goodies, silicon photonics, the defense industry wants an assured supply of those uh, to be able to build weapons systems, defense systems.
1: Global Foundries is known for making specialty chips in big exclusive deals like one with Lockheed Martin in June for entrain production of certain chips and a recent $3 billion deal with the U.S. Department of Defense.
3: Global Foundries has somewhere around 50 of these long term agreements. Effectively, they're saying, you know, we will create a stable margin, commitment, capacity and if the market shifts, we're going to stand by the letter of our agreement.
1: For companies hit hardest by the chip shortage, a deal with GF is a hedge against it happening again. In February, General Motors set aside exclusive production capacity at Global Foundry's Multifab.
0: GM, their lines got held up for very low cost components because they couldn't get enough. And what GM decided is that, you know, this is too much supply chain risk. We're going to go directly to Global Foundries.
1: Now, GF says automotive is one of its fastest-growing segments. It makes all sorts of auto chips, like the microcontrollers for power seats, airbags, and braking, the sensing chips for cameras and lidar, and battery management chips for electric vehicles.
2: In 2020, we did under $100 million of automotive revenue. Uh, in 2022, that grew to almost $375 million, and this year, we'll do a billion dollars of revenue.
1: Meanwhile, the growth of Global Foundry's smartphone business is slowing, alongside an industry-wide slowdown in sales. GF laid off some 800 employees in December and January and issued weaker-than-expected revenue guidance for Q3.
2: Smart mobile devices last year represented 46 percent of our revenue. While it grew last year, it was 50 percent the year before. So we've been trying to build our other business and to get more balanced than having such a high exposure to smart mobile devices.
1: And while it's not making the powerful GPUs used to train large language models like ChatGPT, generative AI will likely create an influx of need for all chips down the line, including those legacy nodes made by Global Foundries.
0: Global Foundries supports AI in a couple ways. With all this increased data moving all around the data center, between servers, between fleets of servers, and between data centers. This is where their silicon photonics uh, comes into play, moving data around, not on copper, but uh, with light.
2: But now that we see what generative AI models can do, and that most of that work has to be done at the edge, every device on the planet's going to want to be AI enabled. I see it as the catalyst for our industry to double in the next eight years, and GF will have its fair share, if not more, of that opportunity.